You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Iron and Steel, structural steel fabricator, LCC instructor Vern Messler is here to talk about what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Vern has a, an extraordinary background. Um, I'm actually sitting here with a living legend. 34 years as a structural steel fabricator, 46 years as LCC's welding instructor. He's been a project manager for the restoration of historic riveted bridges. Um, he's designed and fabricated a number of ornamental iron sculptures. A list of his presentations, awards, and achievements is too long to list. I mean, it's just, it's vast. Welcome to Art Heavens here, Vern. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You know, yeah. we've, we've crossed paths over the years, and of course, you're on the, you're on the heavy-hitting end of, of getting things done around here. So it's thrilling talking to you and having you down here well, thank to, you. to share some thank of your you. experience. I'm just going to start out, like, from the beginning. You've been here for a minute. What motivated you? To get into steel, what was it? Was there somebody in your past? Was oh, it- I like that question. I really like that question. Students, this is really the truth. Yeah. The students, they, you know, how did you start your career in welding? As well, one day the general foreman came out the shop and he needed somebody to sweep out the office and somebody to tack weld. You know, I got to do tack welding. If not, I would be teaching janitorial services because <laughs> that's the way it was. You know, yeah. and you didn't, uh, it wasn't inspired to become a welder. And from that, I uh, developed my skills in welding, went into fit. I love fitting up, you know, taking a print. And I, they, and I was primarily fit up heavy structural material and then eventually became a foreman. And I, most of my career in steel fabrication, we worked as a foreman in the heavy structural department, actually. I see. Um, putting men to work, putting the stuff together. And I think that's why when I worked with the Calhoun County Historic Bridges, I was able to take all the th- what I learned at Lansing Community College, what I learned in steel fabrication, and I was also a materials manager and take all those skills and restore those bridges. And I actually use all those skills a lot, too. Some of these projects I did on West Campus. The first one you've been aware of is the Moon House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worked with uh, Jim Perkins. He was the architectural uh, instructor. And he had a student take a magnifying glass at that time mm-hmm. in an 1895 picture and got the dimensions, come out with a dimension to create a print. Nowadays, you just run it through a computer and everything generates. Right. And they drew it all up, and he brought the print down to me in the welding lab and said, can you do this? Yeah. So I got some students together and uh, working off that print, come up with <laughs> Darius Moon's architectural feature that the people that owned the house, I think they were named Small. They owned the Small's department store in Lansing. Mm-hmm. They felt in the 1940s, they felt that structure dated the house so they scrapped it out really <laughs> and so we replicated it and so now it's there so that was my first project working with students i think that's what i really enjoy the most is working with students and doing these type of things imparting the knowledge well something that struck me in looking at you sent me over your papers because i wanted to know more about you you have an associate degree from lcc majoring in business and welding right and your career is comprised of 
practically every facet of steel fabrication. You don't have a degree in metallurgy? No. Mechanical engineering, engineering in general. No. This is stuff that you picked up. Yes. You learned this stuff. Well, that's an interesting question because the fellow that uh, I need to talk to him, Joe Bezowitz, Mm -hmm. he was an instructor. He taught metallurgy and heat treating. Mm -hmm. You could be asleep in his class and learn something. (laughs) He was an amazing instructor. So I've got um, my skills in learning, understand metal beyond welding it, beyond hammering on it was uh, with Joe, but not a degree in it, but uh, it was part of the uh, Lansing Community College. had a great, uh, and they teach, continue to teach metallurgy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so some of the industrial skills I en- enhanced by coming you know, through Lansing Community College. I can't imagine the uh, evolution of technology that you witnessed over the years. <laughs> Because, you know, welding, we marketed, you know, I work in marketing here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Knight, our previous president, was very big into promoting the welding program. And we should show pictures of underwater welding. I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> um, you know, welding in outer space, you know, all the friction welding, all this science fiction bordering on, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Personally, I feel like I missed out by not taking your class. I really could have benefited <laughs> as, a, like, as an artist and designer. You're just an extremely unique combination of technical expertise, creativity, and overall practical experience. Well, it isn't, it isn't too late, Bruce. You can come down any time and we'll put you behind a well. You know, I just, I, I did. I, I enrolled for a creative welding course, and the dark the helmet freaked me out. I, I couldn't get acclimated, plus my son was there, and it was just, we weirded out and, and backed out of it. You know, I seemed like, felt like I was out of my element. But man, it really would have been great. Well, you've been here welding instructor you're also the project manager for the restoration of historic riveted bridges right now is that just in michigan or is that nationwide well i was teaching a welding beginning class here and dr frank hatfield taught civil engineering at msu and i still work with him a lot and have breakfast from time to time talk about bridges and steel Mm -hmm. and he attended my class because he had students that worked on the bridge contest. You know, it's not historic bridges, but engineering students would construct these bridges. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to save a bridge years ago in Jackson County, and I couldn't do it. I tried to get LCC, and they, you know, just couldn't do it. So I had to let it go, and I, in every class, I always talk about it. And Dr. Hatfield, he said, well, Vern, if you want to save old bridges, there's a guy down in Calhoun County that wants to save 15 of them and put them in a park. Really? So I, we immediately went down, my wife and I went down and uh, talked to a fellow by the name of Dennis Randolph. He was managing director of Calhoun County. Mm-hmm. And his vision was to have a park with 15 of these things. And okay. he already had two of them. I told him I'd do it. Signed me up as an independent contractor. And I started in 1995 and worked for 10 years and restored five bridges. So these were like exhibits, living exhibits that people can visit. That's what it is. And actually, it's um, Dr. Robinson. Hmm. One of the first things he did was go down there and visit the bridges. I believe it. I saw the pictures of our current president, uh, Dr. Steve Robinson, heavily fascinated. He's very curious and inquisitive all over the board, but yeah. just, I saw him operating the riveting gun. It was during a demonstration. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah. Rivet hammer, right. He, um, yeah. And he's fascinated with this bridge across the river down here. 
you know, that railroad bridge. So, mm-hmm. you know, he took a quite an interest in it, and uh, uh, we got him down there. <laughs> well, I think he he did a show, showed him how to do it. And then the second time, we had a, a Society of Industrial Archaeology, and they were come down, and we did a demonstration with them, and he introduced riveting to him. You know, he did the first really? couple, three rivets yeah. and did a little talk. So How cool is that? Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that management has continued to take an interest in what we're doing. But the staff, the welding staff, Roger Morrison, mm-hmm. Jeff Haynes are the first two. And now there's um, Scott Pohl, lead instructor now, and mm-hmm. then uh, Jeff Haynes, Jeff Seeley. But Roger Morrison and Jeff Haynes, when I left Calhoun County, I took the rivet equipment with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me some of the stuff. And some of the stuff I, I had, you know, I owned my own. And I brought it down and uh, worked with Roger. And eventually uh, we uh, developed the machine equipment. Dr. Knight eventually bought the rivet equipment we're using. And then we hold put on, on Hold workshops. on, just a real quick second. Yeah. Did you invent something? I mean, did you, like, come up with a new well, methodology? Yes. So yeah. you can, <laughs> okay, back it up a click. You, you, you you decided something wasn't working correctly. This is what I mean about your creativity <laughs> and human inquisitive nature. Anyway, can you just go into that just a little bit? Well, what was happening is when we were riveting, when you rivet, so you, let's say you get a couple angles, you know, heavy duty angles, and you put a series of holes in them, and then you dry the rivets. Well, if you want to dry some more rivets than that, you have to take them out. If you know anything about riveting, and that's what a lot of these engineers don't understand, is that these rivets are very hard to take out. <laughs> very hard to take out. Why wouldn't they understand that? It seems, to me, it would seem like you angle grinder, forget it, you know, you'd have to use dynamite. You know, the practically, because, and yeah. what, so what Roger and these guys were doing, they were trying to, they do the hydraulic jack, they'd done everything to try, and then I come up with this idea of, okay, so let's let's make a fixture where you can, dry the rivets, take the fixture apart, dry some more and knock the rivets out. People can see what they look like, put the fixture back together and dry some more rivets. Showing the anatomy of the process. I had um, Bethlehem uh, working with a a historian out of Bethlehem Museum and he built one and he uh, puts on demonstration once in a while. So I'm trying to encourage more of the uh, educational. I know a few people in universities I've trained a rivet trying to, you know, hopefully they'll be able to build that fixture so they can yeah. keep training. I hope so, too. It yeah. sounds like it would be a really but great was, teaching uh, tool. It's in the, And so these guys, they cut it down pat now. I just sat back. So they put a demonstration on. There's a, an advanced class called the structural fabrication class I designed years ago, and I turned it over to Jeff Haynes and Scott Paul teach it now. Mm-hmm. But every semester we have a rivet demonstration through uh, structural fabrication class. They introduce mm-hmm. the students to mm-hmm. probably the only <laughs> students, whether it's a community college or university, that have experience with a rivet hammer and riveting process. So that's one of the things that, uh, as I find dis- disappointing, is the fact that there's no major industrial museum in the United States that has a single thing about riveting. Really? Even though the buildings they're in are riveted that structures. surprises me because it's the backbone. There's yeah. a, there's a, um, I think it's in 
Chicago? It might be in New York City. I just saw it online the other day. It's in a some type of museum setting for maybe industrial America. Anyway, you're familiar with the famous photo of the iron workers sitting on the oh, beam. Oh, yeah, right. And right. there's a sculpture, and it's for those out there who are unfamiliar with this famous photo, this thing just gives you the willies because <laughs> these guys that are so used to just walking along on these beams, you know, you know, hundreds of feet up in the air, they're all sitting on an I-beam, on the suspended I-beam, having lunch. They got their lunch boxes open and they're <laughs> chowing down there looking up like, what's the big deal? Well, this place in New York has a, a beam because it's a tourist attraction. Right, right. You can come up with a group of people oh. and you can sit on it and they'll, they'll bring it up and there's a picture of the right. city behind oh. it to make it, to reenact right. it. And you can have your picture taken. So there is a fascination with yeah. that. I mean, right. it, it goes very, very deep. Right. Um, so I had, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Um, I, I tried to get the museums interested in it. I might have made some progress in the last, maybe in the last week, tell you the truth. Yeah. But my wife planned a great trip, a three-week trip through the U.K. Your wife is, uh, was an instructor here, wasn't she? Lansing Community College math instructor, a very Man. successful math instructor. That's right. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, She's done a lot of projects with some of the things that we did in structural fab and riveting. See. But we went through this um, beautiful bridges. And and in Manchester, the UK, we went through a museum that had this beautiful riveted building inside riveted structures. Mm -hmm. And in in one uh, display, they had the original steam engine there. And I told my wife, I said, oh, I bet they've got some riveting displays here. And I went up to the desk and I said, I said, you got anything on riveting? What's that? I said, your really? building is riveted. And she said, no, we don't. I said, well, don't feel bad. There's nobody in the United States that has it neither. That is astounding <laughs> to me because I, I mentioned in a previous meeting, I, I was in Portland, Oregon a couple of times. And you can't help but not yeah. be blown away by these things, oh, these yeah. mo- monstrous bridges that are yeah. hundreds, thousands of rivets, and yeah. you walk through. Yeah. Now, something that has always fascinated me, regardless of whatever it is, in exploring this and learning more about the bridges, has there ever been anything, um, speaking of great ideas, that you uncover in your work and you look at the stuff that was done years and years and years ago and you go, this guy was brilliant. Look what he did. You know, or is it all like standardized? I mean, I know there's blueprints and plans, but I remember hearing these stories of these guys that would fabricate the bombers for World War II, and they would just come up with stuff on the fly. And they're like 25. You hit hit an interesting in what I'm trying to write about. Okay. First of all, and I keep preaching this all the time, you can go in a library and you get hundreds and hundreds of books on the engineer that designed the structure. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single book about the men and women, actually. Of course. Women, there were women yeah. that drove rivets and worked in uh, factories. It's not there. And, and trying to uncover that information mm-hmm. is, is very difficult. Even um, something <laughs> something as simple, if you go on a bridge, you'll see what they refer to as, as an eye bar. And there's a technique from making it. I have found absolutely no historic record on how I know how it's done it's now. A caster, but there's you know it's forge welded. It's amazing. That's one of the things I have an opportunity working at Lansing Community College. The staff down there has been working with me like I you know I need to. Mm-hmm. I'll take wrought iron, 
you know, have them, they'll prepare it for me so I can investigate it and look at it and, and mm-hmm. write about it mm-hmm. or the rivet process. But yeah, that's a good question because that's exactly the issue that I'm trying to deal with because I see a lot of things on a bridge yeah. that's been fabricated and I haven't got a clue why, how it's been fabricated. But you know why? And, oh yeah. And then, yeah. then there's, um, if you look at a diagonal, long diagonal on a bridge, mm-hmm. And there's a technique, they forge welded. So there's a series of marks on it, fabrication marks on it. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered these on a number of bridges around the country, these yeah. punch marks. And, okay. it's for, and there's, I have no documentation of why, what, what the punch marks were for, you know, why they're there. So it's another article I'm going to write up. Yeah. On. But anyway, it's Necessity a, that's a great the story of, because of invention. It's, not, uh, it's not there anymore. Yeah. I don't know what. Well, people were encouraged to think on their feet, you know, well, more than more than yeah. they do today. I think I might be wrong. No, you know, it's a lot of times you'll come up with a situation that you've got to solve a problem, but you don't write it down. You just do the job, do and you know. And if you, <laughs> I've been in a situation in steel fabrication, it, being a foreman or being a fitter, if you know, there's no such things that can't be done, you know. <laughs> You know, if if you go up to their boss and say, well, gee, I can't do that, you're going to be out frying hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. What did uh, I heard? Uh, well, Dr. Robinson said it's a poor uh, engineer that blames the tools or something along those lines. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To cut right yes. down to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yep. touching briefly, just to back up a minute, because um, the uh, the war efforts and women working on these lines. Really short story. I, res- I restored a, a, a wood plane for my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. He loaned it to me and it was it was a mess. And so I, rest- I completely brought it up to, to like brand new. It was overbuilt. I mean, I looked it up and uh, it seemed like it was never designed to fail. It was mm-hmm. like that before you, mm-hmm. people would design an obsolescence or, or what, <laughs> what have you. And I was on a forum and somebody mentioned that Stanley the company that made this back when, they're still around, I believe, they knew that women were going to be making their planes because mm-hmm. their workforce had joined the armed services. Mm-hmm. So so they designed the planes to be heavier because they figured the women wouldn't, they would grind them down too much or waste. <laughs> so they, they tried to compensate for it on the front end. And you know what? They did fine. Yeah. They did absolutely great. <laughs> and so you have a number of these planes that are overbuilt oh. because the company thought right. anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I always thought that was an interesting story. Well, has there ever been, um, and I want to talk about your art, maybe if I, if I can have you back to talk uh, about <laughs> the art that you've created, but the bridge thing is just so fascinating to me. Is there any single project that you can look back on that you're most proud of? And if so, Why? Thinking back over oh. the number of things. I, 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 I tell you what I enjoy doing. This is why I printed this stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done projects, and I've done this wall project, and I did uh, and some other stuff here at Lansing Community College. But the thing I enjoyed the most doing was creative welding. And my approach to creative welding was I wanted them to come up with an idea, to come in with an idea, and I'll help you convert it to steel. I had the most fun in doing, enjoy. And so, and I think I mentioned the fact that this young, this fellow here. Oh, sure. And uh, he, um, he did this ugly thing 
big cut up a lot of material waste lumber and i told him i said you know i said you're not using the steel in the right way Mm -hmm. you know you need to take what steel represents or what it can what it can do its quality its 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 character and so he went down and bought these spoons at myers i think probably and he had some washers and he really creative and building this jewelry box for his girlfriend. How about that? And uh, it, it sort of reminds me of Picasso's bowl, which comprises oh, yeah. of a seat, mm-hmm. bicycle seat, and handlebars. Yeah. And I, what was interesting, his name was Ken, and I ran into him this year at uh, Scrap Fest down here in Lansing. Sure, um, which is amazing. North by the way. Lansing. Yeah. And he called me, hey, Vern, remember me? And he said, he, knew, he always remembered that um, I'm sure. box, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I never had uh, Jack Bergeron as a student. Mm-hmm. But what Jack did, what's interesting, now he's very young right there. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know Jack. He had, and I brought him down a few times to mm-hmm. my structure, my creative learning class with his sculpture because I wanted students. I said, this is what I mean by taking this, this metal. It said, you, you don't make something that you can create with wood or create with clay or create with concrete. You take the metal, the steel, and what it can do, yeah. and that's what he did. Definitely, you could recognize Jack Bergeron just looking at that piece. And it's just a, it's pieces of rod and metal welded together and created that structure yeah. so that's what i try to get you know think about when students come in yeah. and create a welding come in with your idea and i'd like to help you make that there was a, a type of fearlessness um, associated with jack's work uh <laughs> it, truly i mean there was a daring that many creatives just don't possess or they possess in very short amounts jack seemed to have no um, shortage of it and one of his creations is resides outside of our former university center here and it's mm-hmm. i had all kinds of questions about how he did it you know innovating and thinking on your feet like that and the bull the picasso bull example that you showed there is uh today there's this what i see in any way in my feeds a, a movement in art where the artwork is designed to challenge your perceptions hmm. and what i mean by that is well there's a there's a guy's a sculptor he sculpts in marble he'll do like a pillow like a down pillow with mm-hmm. wrinkles and everything cut out of marble <laughs> and it looks like a pillow. I mean, you want to put your head on it. It's like that. It's like a, it just right. messes with your head a little bit. Right. You know, there's, there's plenty of that that's going on with, with light and with steel and shadows and so on. People are just thinking further and further out. I think I'd like to have you back if that's mm-hmm. okay, because that we bear, we didn't hardly touch on your artwork. And I just mentioned to you before this meeting, I was walking up a stairwell in our Gannon building mm-hmm. And there's a portion in our, in our Gannon building on LCC's downtown campus where there's a very open double staircase, like a master staircase all the way up. And there are these, I see there's a picture on the table right there. There's these iron sculptures of various local landmarks up there, mm-hmm. intricately, beautifully designed things that this gentleman designed and made. And I want to talk about those because as I mentioned, I, I looked at that Capitol dome and I just, <laughs> I stopped. Yeah. I literally stopped in my tracks because taking it in and the detail and the gauging and the, the finishing, it just um, didn't look like anything done around here. Nothing against here, but right. it looked like something you'd see in Europe or I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so, yeah, it's, um, I, Dr. Gannon, he was going to start an industrial center. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is supposed to be the introduction to it, you know. And so one of the things that when I drew it all up, I drew it all up, scaled it up, 
and I knew, had an idea what I wanted to do with the Capitol and the rest of the building. What I really liked about this project is when Bill Dar said, we're going to give it to Vern because he can get it done. Awesome. But if, with no nervousness there, were you nervous about that at all? You just, no, no you stepped right into it. No. Well, sir, we're, we're a little short on time. We're going to wrap up, but if you don't mind coming back, I think we could keep rolling. Great. Vern Messler, LCC steel fabrication instructor and uh, artist extraordinaire. Thank you for coming down for Art Happens Here. Okay, thank you. Leonardo da Vinci once said, poor is the pupil who does not surpass his master. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. <laughs>